Welcome back to Locked In with Ian Bick, a top 200 podcast for society and culture in America, all thanks to you guys, the listeners and the watchers, week after week. On today's episode, we have Eric Porsche coming from New Jersey to tell his incredible story of addiction, gang life in prison, the 13 years he spent inside a state prison, and how he was able to get out, turn it all around, and recreate a new life for himself. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Eric Porsche. And as always, guys, thank you so, so much for tuning in week after week. And if you guys could just take a quick second, tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and leave us a quick review. Or if you're listening to this and watching this on YouTube, hit that like, comment, subscribe button. It means the world and does us wonders. Eric, welcome to the show, man. Coming to us from New Jersey. Um, you actually, you listen and watch all of our stuff all the time. Every day. I got to ask, what's your favorite episode? I don't have an exact favorite. I can just relate to the people who you had from Jersey. Who do you think you relate to the most out of the episodes that you've seen too? I, I, you know what? Uh, quite honestly, a little bit of everybody. A little bit of everybody. You were telling me the Jay Williams episode struck home for uh, listen, you too. Listen, Jay Williams, listen, I've been watching Jay Williams from day one like I have with you and a lot of other uh, YouTubers. And Jay Williams, I identify with so much because of the ethnicity, uh, because of what he did in prison, how he moved, um, him being Caucasian, working in maintenance. And when you work in maintenance, you have... Buku uh, movement, you know, you have so much, you have so much movement, you have so much clout, is that it? I, 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 clout, uh, I don't know what it's called, I've, I've been out of prison since 2015, I don't even know what the new terminology is <laughs> nowadays, but- uh, you What get, the youngsters are calling it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know, you know, so, so when I talk about prison and stuff like that, I can only relate to 2015 and back. Gotcha. You know, but but when it comes to when it when it comes to my story, <laughs> uh, if people want to listen sooner or later, but yeah, Jay Williams, I just you know I can relate to that guy so much, man. I, I I really could. I think it's so cool that we have listeners that watch avidly and listen to it regularly and everything, and then they're able to come on to the show, um, to like easily accessible. You just reached out to us, filled out the form or whatever, and then we made it happen. I, I, like, dude, not, not for nothing. Like, uh, you know, like I told you when I got here, I'm completely overwhelmed. You know, I, I, I don't come from a spectacular background. And I think this is spectacular that you got people following you and listening to you. You know, I've got a few people in my life that ever even dared to listen to me. One probably being my daughter, you know, uh, which I'm grateful for that. Uh, and the other one being myself, which is only part of the time, you know. Um, but it, it's, uh, it, I, I think it's, I look up to you and the other people who talk about what happened in the past, how you got there, and what you're doing to make it better. You know, you guys are an inspiration. Uh, I'm gonna say a quiet inspiration because it's, not to overdo anybody, but I, I, I just always wanted to help somebody my entire life. That's just always in my heart. It's my, my, mama, what my mom taught me. 
You know, always help somebody. Keep your, keep your hands in your pocket, your mouth shut, and help somebody when they're down. And just think about how many people you're going to be helping today just by doing something as simple as sharing your story. And, and it's a lot to do, but it has uh, like such a pronounced effect on the world. I mean, so many people listen to our podcast, hundreds of thousands of people. I, it, it's crazy. It, it, you know what? It really is. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm completely floored. Because when I came when I came home from prison in 2015, I came home January 4, 2015, from doing 13 years. Um, so when I came home, that that was that was all the pill epidemic. That was when all the smartphones came out. And everything. So I was pretty stupid. The only, you know, um, my friend handed me a flip phone in Bayside State Prison Farm. He handed me a flip phone and said, "Call who you want." And I remember a little satellite thing going like that, and I was like. I called my mom at work. I called my I didn't know who else to call. Who am I going to call? I don't know who else to call. I called my, call my mom every day when I was in prison. You know, so I called my mom at work. Poke. I'll get into my nickname in a minute. Poke. Yeah, ma. How are you calling me? It's calling my friend's cell phone. Jesus Christ, what the hell is wrong with you? Don't call me from here. You're going to get yourself, you know. So that was my first experience on a cell phone, you know. So when I came home, I was pretty stupid. And I consider myself pretty stupid when it comes to uh, the technology today, although I'm trying. Well, don't be so hard on yourself, Eric. Listen, I, listen I, 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 can, I just learned six months ago how to answer and send an email. Really, that's that's that's... You know, not because I didn't, not because I didn't know how to, probably because I didn't want to, because I was still stuck on stupid. You know, I, I, I found myself so institutionalized when I came home, you know, uh, still washing boxers when I took a shower. My mom had to yell me, what the hell is up there? I'm still hanging boxers up on the, on the shower curtains and stuff, man. It took a long time for me to shake that. You know, and then soon after came my accident. <laughs> you know, so a lot of things happened in, 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 in my life that from one thing to another, it, I, I didn't have enough time to transition from one part of my life into another, whether it was um, sleeping in a car or a tent growing up. Uh, living in living in poverty in Newark and Valesburg. Yeah, let's start at the childhood. Where where did you grow up? Where are you from? Oh wow, <sighs> my mom and my dad got divorced when I was one years old. Me and my sister, uh, my sister's five years older than me, left with my mom, and my stepfather Jack. Um, it's Jack, just you two, you and this. And me, my sister, my mom, and my stepfather. My stepfather and my father were friends at that time. Okay, that was back in, yeah, I was a year old, so that was back in 76. That was when you were growing None up. None of my business, you know, but my stepfather took very good care of me. I, I spent the weekend with my dad. My dad was, you know, great dad. My, I have also have an older brother who stayed with my dad and my stepmother, Cena. They also had two, uh, two uh, uh, twins, boy and girl, Keith and Lori, uh, a couple of years after they got, they got uh, married. But my dad would bring me up there all the time. When I turned 13, trust me, <clears throat> my, uh, my family is filled with dock builders, local 1556 uh, dock builders. We drive piles. We build foundations for docks, seawalls, piers, bridges, and uh, foundations for huge buildings, most of the Trump buildings on the West Side Highway. Um, so when I was 13 years old, in the summertime, my father said, get your ass to work. 
come on a job. He would pay me $20 an hour off the books when I was 13, 14 years old. $20 an hour off the book? You couldn't tell me shit. Hey, so this kind of sets the foundation for my lifestyle of having things. Because trust me, I grew up very, very poor. When I went my, with my mom and my stepfather, my stepfather was a aluminum cider and a roofer. So in the summertime, we were great. We had an apartment, whatever. In the wintertime, we slept in a van, you know, uh, we slept in hotels, I took baths in Dunga Donuts bathroom. And you thought that was all normal. Hmm. My mom did the best she could for me. I know that. She kept us educated. She made sure, she made sure we all uh, graduated high school, uh, regardless of where we were at that time. But she always kept me clean, dressed, educated, and warm, and fed. You know, so I thought it was normal. You know, but as I got a little older, you know that's not normal. You know, because you see other kids that have, you know, newer things or they're not sleeping in their aunt's basement. They're not sleeping in the car. They're not sleeping in a tent. You know, they have normal lives, so to say. And what about your friends? Are are they raised differently or is everyone kind of growing up in, in a poverty type <laughs> well, environment? You know, you know what? Um... Growing up at a at a young age, up until I was till we got till we got to Bloomfield. Bloomfield is where my life changed completely. Bought one in Bloomfield in Newark. Um, I got there in the fourth grade, nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine, something like that. That's when I lived on a block, Section Eight housing, almost like projects for white people, you know. Um, Six houses, six six family houses, all Section Eight. Everybody had kids. So when I moved on the block, my name is Eric. I was the fifth Eric on the block. Okay, so that 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 goes to show you a lot. And I have a a, a uniqueish name, Eric. It's not well. It's, it's spelled different. It's spelled especially different. mine, E R I C H. Yeah, but nobody mm-hmm. else has had that added spelling. So I was cool. But um. But growing up, uh, growing up there, it changed my life because. That's when I got into, I, I mean, it was just 50, 60 of us that would come from all over the surrounding blocks, from Newark, from South End. Uh, we lived on Charles Street, which was a, uh, at the time, we, uh, we, we had a little gang, Charles Street Posse, uh, you know, and, and we would click with uh, um, Columbus Street and the first day, boy, the older guys, like, we thought, you know, again, we were 14, 15, 16 years old. We were the shit, you know. Everybody else was a little bit older than me. I was always a younger kid. You know, everybody else had their license. I was sitting in the back giving $3 for gas money, you know. Um, so that kind of boosted, that kind of boosted my life up a little bit. I grew up kind of fast, not only because I grew up in poverty. Uh, my mom was very strict. She used to beat the shit out of me, whatever whatever she could, and my stepfather, my stepfather was 6'3", 250, big dude, you know, and he would beat the shit out of me too, man, but it wouldn't matter. I'd sneak out my window and I'd still do what I want to do because it was it was at that time that it was more of what people thought of me. I was, you know, I was one of the bad kids in the neighborhood. I went to, I went to juvenile hall. I got locked up. 
uh, I got suspended from school. What did you think of yourself during that time period? Like, what was your opinion of you? You, you know what? It, it, it's funny because I rewind a little bit. Um, I was always, I was always, Rambo was my hero. Commando was my hero. I loved the United States Marine Corps. I loved the respect that they had. You looked at them. So my mom, when I was nine years old, when my mom, I was nine years old, my mom called Trenton, Washington, D.C. She called everywhere to try to get me into a military school, something. Uh, it was hands-on. She got a, uh, a picture in a Tom Life book. It was a, it was a, it was a Marine Corps. He, he had this, he had this smoky bear and he was, he was up on, up, up on the, up on the tree with a little kid by, by like this. And I said, that's what I want. And, uh, I was one of the first, I was one of the first cadets in the state of New Jersey. Me, nine of my, me, five of my friends and some other cadets. We started, we started in Red Bank, New Jersey, um, with a retired, Drone instructor Casey and Major Tornow, they wanted to start some kind of military school. So it was a military school ran by the Marine Corps, by retired Marine Corps. Um, it wasn't so much books and everything. We didn't stay there. We went two times, two times, two times a month and three weeks during the summer. And we would get all the flanking movements. We'd go to the gun range. We would repel. We, I, I was the first cadet in the state of New Jersey to have my jump wings and scuba helmet certified. Um, I was the first drill instructor, cadet drill instructor. Yeah, I was the guy with the smoky bear screaming in your... And how I got the Southern accent, I don't know. You just get it when you're taught like that. <laughs> but that made me feel... Dominant? Do you think that those things like the people you idolize, Rambo, the cadets, whatever, did that give you a safe space in your mind, like away from the poverty, away from getting beat up by your stepdad, things like that? To, to, well, I didn't get beat up by my step, stepdad. I got disciplined. Disciplined. You know, yeah, disciplined. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, yeah. either way, it's still. It, it, listen, back then, you know, again, I'm 48. You know, we can't do what we do now, but, you know, I got beat the shit out of, well, you know, belt. Skateboard. So that is beat up. <laughs> listen, I listen. You know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I, it made me the person I am today, and I'm so glad that my mother disciplined me, my stepfather disciplined me, my stepmother, my father when I was with them, even my sister. You know, they made me the person I am today. They may have not did their part because I ended up the way I did in prison, hooked on drugs, joined the gang, blah blah blah, but. I, you know what? I respect them and I love them so much for what they did because they, again, they made me the person I am today. So overall, how would you sum up your childhood? Like looking back on it now, now that you're older, do you think you lived a good childhood or do you think you had traumatic incidents as a child that affected the person you became and it was kind of like a rough childhood in that sense? Well, when I look at it now, um, okay, I'm going to be completely honest. Molest it. Okay, uh, molested, uh, grew up in poverty. Um, I didn't get beat by my, by my family or, you know, I, I got disciplined, disciplined, and it taught me a lesson. Um, it didn't teach me the way I wanted to go because I still got suspended from school. 
you know, I still got locked up. I still ran with the wrong crowd. I did things I wasn't supposed to do. So when I look at my childhood, you know what? I wouldn't change a thing about my childhood except for the amount of time that I did because I was away from my daughter for so long, for so long. What I did, I deserve every beating I got in prison from the guards, from people, everything, everything that happened, the crying, the sitting in the cells, the detoxing off of drugs, the, uh, the, the getting spit on and kicked by, by, you know, people who just uh, walk by, uh, you know, in the cell block and you're laying on the floor. They just fucking spit on you. Really? Well, you know what? I deserve that. When I look at it now, the things that I did. So how do I look at my childhood? You know what? Again, I wouldn't change a thing of my childhood. It made me the man who I am today. And my passion is to make sure that people don't repeat what I went through. Who are you closer to, your mother or your father? My mom. Your mom. Because I grew up with her. You would say your mom. Can you put my sister in that equation? Yeah, who are you closer? My sister. So you were closer to your sister rather than your mother? Yeah, because my sister, me and my sister were in the van or in the back of the, 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 the car. My mother and my stepfather slept in the front. We would eat cheese, cheese doodles off the toolbox or we would... Uh, share a yoo-hoo or something. So me and my sister, I love my sister. You formed I, a bond over those tough times. A bond, a, a bond isn't, it, it, it would be way more. I love my sister so much. She's such an inspiration to me. She, she just, she's great. She's great. I'm not saying that because my sister. She was a bitch. Yeah, which I don't even want to say that word, you know, but it, it, I, I would say that, but I love my sister. So I guess the question is here, you, you, even though you guys grew up in poverty, you were still raised with good morals. You had your mother tried her best. You had a good father. Where does it go like sour? Like where does where do you start getting into drugs? Where does your life start going down a dark path? Although you, your parents did everything they could, where does that shift? Yeah, you know what? Uh Again, they did everything they could. They saw the signs. They did. But you know what? I was just that ignorant, that 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 person. I just didn't care. I didn't care. When you hit me, it didn't hurt. I'm sneaking out the window anyway. It was when I was sixteen. It was when I when I when I moved to Bloomfield. That it was that it, was the trigger? It was when I moved to Bloomfield and I got with the people who just didn't care. Right? At first, I got with I, you know, I, I got I got with a good crowd. We were, you know, going out to clubs. Albert and James and Matt, Inch and yeah, you know, everybody from Millbank. You know, we would go meet at the, you know, and everything was good. Some people started drinking. We all we all drank. I'm sorry, we all drank. Some people do cocaine. Some people drank some acid. I was a person who wanted to try it all, you know, and then. Somebody asked me to smoke something one day, and it was laced with with crack cocaine, freebase, whatever it was at the time. And that was, <sighs> I was 16 years old. That was the part of my life that, that was the time in my life that everything changed. So do you think- I didn't even know it. Do you think that if, if that one circumstance of that drug getting laced and you were smoking that, do you think if that never happened, you never would have ended up in prison? 200%. 200% because right after that, I went to rehab. I was okay. So you got addicted right off the bat. I, I liked the taste. Just off of that one hit gave the you the... It wasn't the feeling. Yeah. It was the taste. It, I didn't smoke it out of a stem. 
I smoked it in a in a, in a, in a, in a joint. So it tasted completely different. What would you compare the taste to for someone that's never tasted it before? <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. That's, wow. That's a good question. Cotton candy? Really? So as a kid, I'm sure you had cotton candy before or never? You yeah. had cotton candy? So when you had that, you're like, wow, this is like a cracked up cotton it, it, candy. It was the taste. It wasn't the feeling. Or maybe it was the feeling, but I didn't realize it. Do you think it brought you to like a new world of, of, of something that was better? I, I, yeah. I think it. I think it broke my dopamine. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the more I've learned, I think it, that's when it broke my dopamine. Uh, I've I've tried pot on mistake, my mistake when I was nine years old. That may have broke my dopamine, but I believe it was that house party at Gay Palmer's house party at his grandmother's house in East Orange. When I walked into that room, it was a hundred rooms, this, this thing. And I was just going to different rooms. Everybody was dancing, having fun. It's a high school party, yeah. Yeah. And I walked into this room. I'm going to name the people that were there. Try this. Whoa. What's in there? That's bass with weed. I said nothing about crack. I said nothing about crack. That's bass. I didn't know what it was. The next day, you know, we talked about the party and so on. And I was like, what was that feeling? And somebody gave it to me in a cigarette. And then somebody gave it to me with ashes on it. And it was off to the races. And that so just fueled the whole... It, it fueled everything so much. I started smoking pot. I stayed away from that. I went to rehab. I was good. I stayed in the military school. I went to the Marine Corps. They had, because I spent so much time in the military school, they were going to give me an opportunity to be either a scout sniper or a drill instructor in Paris Island. I'm going to be a scout sniper. I can't even get into it. I can't even talk about it because it's so embarrassing that I fucked it up so bad. You know, never was, never has been, never will be. Because of drugs? Yes. Yes. Dirty yarn. You know? So you... You were clean, right? If if you continued down that path, you would have had a career in the military. Absolutely. Do you think and about that now? Like, I think about it every day. I, I, I think about it all the time now, especially now that there's so many things you can see on on, on the internet when I you know, when I'm following somebody with shorts or whatever, suggestions come up on YouTube. And I look up a lot of uh how the Marine Corps is now, uh uh in in in, in um in basic training, and you know, I look up things like that. I'm like, damn, man. Then I, then I look at like like some of the some of the snipers' records, and I'm like, wow, I was going to scout sniper school, dude. I was going to scout sniper school. You know, maybe I would have retired from that. You know, but the thing is, dock building, um, the family business, we'll call it. Twenty two dock builders in my family. We didn't have our own company, but that was the that was the union that we. Now we grew up in, the money was outrageous. You know, here I am, 18 years old, couldn't go into the Marine Corps now, couldn't finish the Marine Corps, um, and I'm making $31 an hour? Are you kidding me? You know, $31 an hour. We're going back to, I, I graduated in 93, 94. That's a lot of money for that time period. 95? Hey, 1995. You couldn't tell me shit. Man. Well, it was minimum wage, like four or five bucks an hour back then. You couldn't then. tell me shit, you know? So that boosted my ego. But you couldn't stay clean. At the time, I was staying clean. Then I got introduced. I got hurt. 
I got hurt. I got my foot crushed on the job site in 2001, uh, but I'm not going to front even before that. The dopamine was already busted when I was 16 years old. I started smoking pot when I was nine, okay? I smoked pot all through my life, you know? When I got introduced to the pain pills, I liked it. It got rid of the pain. That was after your accident? That was after the first accident. I got my foot crushed in 2001. On this job you were working? One of them, yes. And how old were you? I was 20. But you still, up until that time, you haven't had real run-ins with the law. Maybe a couple of arrests or whatever. Oh, nothing no. Nothing crazy. Oh, no. I, no, I, no, I was already robbing houses. You were? Oh, uh, toll boots. Yeah. For what? Because it was a fun thing to do, man. Because it was stupid. Because it was stupid. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't start smoking base and stop right away. Yeah. No, there was a, there was, there was a couple Time of months periods. that taking money's from money from mom's purse. You know, breaking into people's houses, shit like that. How's your relationship with your parents at that time? At that time, my mom very disappointed. My dad, um, very disappointed. But again, he had such a career going on. He was the big boss. He had two new, uh, two new children, a new wife. Not that he made me any less. No, uh, not at all. You know, my my father loved me very much, but it was I, I may, maybe he was drinking at the time. I don't know, but his his life was up and down like mine. Never with any drugs. It was just with work. I'm curious, what's it like? Because I've always wondered about this to to be a kid. And see your dad, your parents get divorced and your father go off and have kid, a kid or kids with someone else. Do you feel neglected at that point? Because I'm wondering if that affects your mindset in later years too. Do you feel like unwanted? You know what, Ian? Honestly, I didn't know. Did I look into it? And throughout the years, talk to counselors. I've been trying to find out for years, why am I the way I am? Well, you know, why do I do the things I do? Multiple counsel, counselors, and, and, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever it is. Uh, no, uh, no, because my dad, my dad, um, my dad uh, treated me equal. He treated me equal, you know, not maybe so much with my sister Lori, but with my brother Keith. If we went out fishing, we'd go out fishing. I'd come up every other weekend. We'd spend time together. If he was working, I'd spend time with my stepmother and my, my new brother and sister. Or I'd bring my friend up. It, it, you know, it all depends. But, but no, uh, no, my father, did, my father did the best he could. I, I would never say anything bad about my dad. You know, he did his very best. He taught me, you know, from afar how to be a man, but how to be a great worker like my brother did. Too. You had the work ethic, yeah. You know, it was work hard. And plus, the money was great. I loved working hard. You know, I worked hard up until the day I got seven tons, you know. And I never took a day off of work, believe it or not. Even when you were doing robberies and stuff, you still worked. For a lot. So were, were you motivated by money? Or is it the... Money. Is it, it was money? money. When okay. I stopped doing drugs, when I stopped doing drugs, it went to women. It went to the gym. It went to money. Sneakers clothes, just being who I am. And then that wouldn't last too long because I would get boring. Right? I, I didn't get much satisfaction out of it. I got satisfaction out of doing it wrong because it was so much easier to, it's so much easier to do wrong 
than it is to do it right. Oh, it's all, even, yeah, even, yeah. even today, even today, I talk to people. It's so much easier to do. It's so much easier to do the wrong thing, dude. It's not, you know. And you hear it all the time. The real gangsters are the ones that are home, taking care of their kids. They're not. The, they're not the ones who who were, who were selling all the dope and had the cars and now they're locked up. Really? Because now they're locked up. What are they doing for their kids? What are they doing for their family? Not your piece of shit in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know. And I was there. I was a piece of shit too. But maybe I still am a piece of shit in some people's eyes. Doesn't matter. But but I you know I love my life today. Man. And you know it's even harder to to be struggling and see other people not struggling that are doing bad things. And and you still get up and you still want to be that good person. That you was, keep moving forward. That was that, that was that was hard. That was hard for me to swallow. That was hard for that. That that really was. So I just had to be a better burglar. I had really. I had to be a better burglar. I had to be a better thief. You know, here I am, eighteen, nineteen years old, just graduating high school, and I'm bringing home. At, at the time, this is this is the late nineties. I'm bringing home. $1,300 after taxes. What are you going to tell me? Nothing. I'm working 10 hours a day, but on the weekends now I'm not doing nothing. And then my fucking money's gone. Why is the money gone? Because I'm spending it on this. I'm spending it on that. spending it on girls. I'm spending it on drugs. I'm spending it on bars because I want to be the shit. Now here I am, Monday morning. I'm not even getting high yet. And I'm broke, you know? But I was addicted to the money at first, yes. So, so Eric, on the topic of the burglary part, before I mess over, I, you you said you were robbing toll booths. How does that go down? How do you rob a toll booth? <laughs> you got to walk so, me through the whole thing. This, 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 I, I will. I, I will. It's, it's it's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing because, except for the people that were there, don't know much about this part of my life, but when you're fucked up, you're fucked up. You know, when you just don't care. Uh, 1997, 1998, you drive through the toll booth, okay, and you throw the change in there. It's that big, big white basket. They had tokens at the time. And I think that at the time it was 35 cents, 35 cents for the tolls. So you throw it in there, you know. But when you look over this way and there's a basket on that side, you see it, you see people throwing the money in and it's going inside this thing. And you're looking at it, and the door's open. The door's open. This is, again, going back here. The door's open, and you're looking at it. And you're looking at two drawers. Man, those motherfuckers are full, man. Well, you take off. So, <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what time it was. Eight, nine o'clock at night, I pull up to uh, Essex County. And I, I could tell all this because I was <laughs> convicted of it. Asshole. Uh, I pull up to uh, to the toll booth, and the door is open to my left where I'm throwing the, where I'm throwing the change in. I hit the I hit the hazards. I go in there. I grab a flathead screwdriver, and there's only there's two drawers in there. I'm gonna break your shit. I can't afford this. Um, there's two drawers in there about that big, and there's uh uh. Uh, an arm that goes over and just like that with the key in the middle. I go in, take a screwdriver, I pop it open. As soon as I pop it open, every red light, this is the time, this is before they split up the, the uh, on, a, on a Garden State Park, but this is before they split up half here and half here. It went across both northbound and southbound. 
As soon as I popped that lock, every red light, whether it was a stoplight or the one up here, when, brrr, when, you, when you missed it, when you missed thing, or the ones up there, and every bell went off across north and southbound, you know, it goes off. I got people behind me, okay? It, again, this, I just said, Tom, I didn't give a shit. I didn't give a shit. I was working at the time. I was messed up. I was, I was strung out. I don't know, what, whatever it was. <laughs> and I grabbed both, I grabbed both, uh, both draws, that wide, that high, that deep. Probably some of the strongest steel netting. Oh, it, it, was, it was just steel with, with holes punching it. So you can see they were both filled up with chains. Probably one of the hardest things I ever got into outside of an ATM machine. Open it up, I get all change and tokens at the time. The first time I get $1,000, a little bit less than that, 900, but that's a score. In change, all in change. All in change. And Parkway tokens. You go down, you go down to, you go down to Roseville Avenue down in Newark and you sell it to the Guineas, you know. Right, everyone's using Parkway tokens at the time. They didn't have uh, easy passes. They didn't have easy passes. Yeah. What the hell was easy pass then? You know, so what you, they, they had no cameras then. They had no cameras then. The only person can tell is the person behind me. They don't know what's going on. Boom, I'm gone. Sometimes I would hide. I would. I would, I would hide the license plate after the first time. I had the license plate. Well, I made a mistake and I brought somebody with me one time, and uh, it's just doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter what it was. I bring them with me, we get it off. I do this three or four times. They called it robbery. I didn't rob it, I burglarized it, you know. Then they started padlocking the door shut. Then they started doing a whole bunch of different things. And then, of course, there's all cameras now. But I brought somebody with me. And um, right before we went and we did that, we were on Route 3, right before getting on 21, there's a shell station there. We pulled over. He didn't know what I was going to do. It's my best friend at the time. He didn't know what I was going to do. I get out, say, yo, I need change. Guy pulls out a lot of money. You know, I just push him in his chest. I take the money. Hat drops. Boom, we take off. We get away with it. Cameras weren't working. He gets locked up a couple of uh, weeks later, and he's sick on, he's dope sick. So he's in there like, like this to the cops. Yo, oh, I got information. I got information. He did a robbery. He did this. So that's how I got caught with that. Then it went on to then it went on to the uh to the toll booths. So that was my first time, that was my first uh introduction to to uh to being a criminal. Uh, a so major criminal, yeah. Yeah, be, be, I mean be, be, besides besides getting into a fight, besides getting into fights and little dumb shit when I was a juvenile, you know, I did uh Five 364s, two 180s running concurrent in the county jail, Essex County Jail Annex up in Cordwell. Uh, a lot of people remember that. It's closed now. Um, so you got caught for this? Oh, yeah. I got told on. Yeah, so, I got told on. You got, so do you do the 13 yeah. years just because of this? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, you hell, didn't no. do Yeah, oh, I was going to say it. All... <laughs> no, no, we didn't get into that yet. Well, that was my first. Jail sentence. That, that was my first time, yeah. So I come home, you know, again, we, we go through the rehab things. Uh, we do all that. My first, my first prison sentence was two years. It was a four flat. I got a four flat for- Burglary. 
it wasn't burglary. It was, it was actually got into a fight at a bar, underage, didn't matter. I do fight, uh, it was with a friend of mine and I, I, I hit him, his chain came off, whatever. He was, a, he was an asshole anyway, he was just a, a sissy. Cops came, oh, he came after me and he took my chain. I didn't take a chance, I hit him and the chain came off. So now I'm hit for robbery, you kidding me? So it got, it got dropped down to an aggravated assault, whatever I do, two years. Do two years, I come home, I'm the shit now. I'm like, you know, I didn't did some state time. Juvenile shit don't matter anymore. So now, you know, uh, I'm still living in Bloomfield. I'm still living in Bloomfield. We're just, my family is just, uh, my, my stepfather just started working for the union. Despite him and my father, my stepfather and my father being best friends when my stepfather left with my mom, years goes by, whatever. Uh, you know, he was a great stepfather. We get him in the union. They get him in the union. So now we start making money. So now we're not living in poverty anymore. We start to buy our own house, whatever. But uh, but I say that, where did I get stuck at, Ian? Uh, I think you were leading into the jail sentence or what? When yes, you got yeah, out. That, that, so, uh, yes. So you did was, the that, two years. Yes, that, I did the two years. I can't, I couldn't tell me shit because now I go right back to, to union work. I'm still making great money. Now we get a raise. I'm making $42 an hour. You got a prison sentence under your belt. I got a prison sentence under my belt. As a matter of fact, in my union, if you haven't been to rehab or prison, you probably shouldn't even apply. So it was, it, it was normal. Yeah. Yeah. It was normal. You know, well, normal for most, most people anyway. And, and you're in your early 20s. Not nowadays. Yes. Uh, yes. Very early 20s. No so, college. Nothing. No, nothing. I, I went to trade school. Uh, I had the, the military school behind me and I had... Uh, I had the streets behind me, which again, I, I, I thank the people who I grew up with, the surroundings, the neighbors, the everybody, people who hated me didn't, growing up in the neighborhood that I did because it, it made me who I am today. It made me be able to talk Absolutely. and express myself and, and, you know, and even prison, even prison made me a very good judge of character. You know, so anyway, so I get in trouble. I I, uh, I get introduced to opiates. You know, uh, I heard the story a thousand times over and over, and so have you. So have you. Um, I get into trouble. And I start doing burglaries, going to people's houses, cars, blah, blah, blah. Uh, some of it's for smoking pot. Some of it's for opiates. And some of it's so I can show off. To chicks and shit, because because now I'm 18 years old. I got my license. It's suspended. So what? You know, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, but I, I got a car and I got insurance and shit like this. So I go away and I do a year and a half of four years again. I go to the halfway house. I I, I do all that. I'm great in the halfway house. I go to Eva's Village in Patterson. Uh, I start working there. I graduate from there. I start working there. My mom moves to towns away from Patterson. Not so much better than living around Newark. You know, <laughs> we were a town away from Newark. Now we're a town away from Patterson. Great for a recovering addict, you know? So, uh, so I'm, I'm clean for a couple of years. Uh, I go back to work, back to the union, uh, come around some old people, get back into the bullshit again, but I'm making the money so I don't have to do 
criminal shit now. Do you sell drugs at all or no? You're just... It, you, you know what? You know what? The only times that I sold drugs and I don't even want to... Was to get high for free maybe? <laughs> you know what? It was 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th grade selling pot. Because who, who hasn't done that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, well, because I lived in Bloomfield, and a lot of the kids, the white kids, the Italian kids, whatever, were scared to go down to Newark, and everybody was smoking pot. So they would sell nickel bags down in Newark. So I said, listen, they're dime bags. So, okay, get me five. They gave me $50. I'm going to get 10 of them, getting some for myself. That's all I want to do is smoke pot. So now I go back. Now I beat them. They give me money for going and smoke for me. I was just shit. You couldn't tell me nothing. Yeah. That was the only time I sold drugs. Yeah. So I, was I a drug dealer? No, I did. You're a burglar <laughs> or a robber, I, whatever you yeah, want to describe. Yeah, I was an yourself. asshole, basically. I was an asshole. Yeah. You know, regardless of how you look at it. Do you um, think that the idea of selling drugs wasn't as enthralling or, or um, you know, entertaining as the idea of robbing something? Like it didn't give you that feeling? No, no, no. Uh, I got the rush. I got rushes from so many different things, uh, you know, from, from, from being in military, being in military school, yelling in people's faces, sneaking in people's houses, breaking windows, going into cars, stealing a, a pullout radio and a kicker box, um, going, down, going down to the train tracks, drinking beer and taking acid, walking around our neighborhood like we were the shit and seeing a bunch of kids walking up and just punching somebody in the face for no reason because that was our neighborhood. And they get beat up two days later by somebody else. They, you know, so it always worked. It always worked out in somebody's favor, not mine. All right, so you're working, you're, you're out of rehab, you finish this couple of year jail sentence. What happens next? What happens, I, 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 I detox, uh, I detox, I, I, uh, I relapse again. This is 2001. 2001, I go off the deep end. Uh, I meet a girl, we'll call her Valerie. She was a ride and die chick. She didn't get high, but she just loved me. She just said, every chick I was with loved me. I, I, I love to, I, you know, I'm always faithful. I'm always true to the women I'm with, except for one. Uh, you just ratted it, yourself out. It doesn't matter. That's my daughter's mother. That's, that, that, that's okay. She knows I was never, I was never... I never hid that. At least I you're never, honest. I, I never hid that, but you know what? Every other woman I was with, I was, I was, I, I never cheated on them. I, I can say I never did. Um. So. So I, uh, where was I at? You meet this girl. I meet this girl, Valerie. So I start using. So I start using. This is two thousand, two thousand one. Um. I'm off the hook, man. I'm off the hook. I'm, I'm toe boots. I'm doing burglaries. I'm walking into uh, 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 hospitals and going downstairs to the lunchroom and walking out with the change machine, you know, on a dolly with a with a with a with a, with a fake with a fake polo shirt on that says something stupid on it. I don't know Gus's lawn mowing service. You know, but it looks professional. I'm walking out with change machines, and I'm I'm boosting. I'm stealing cigarettes. I'm stealing formula, uh, uh, Tylenol. The, the, the whole, the, you know, the whole thing. And I'm doing everything I could. I'm begging for money. I'm, you know, uh, I, I was big into the smashing grabs, throwing a brick through a window in a gas station, going inside, 
hitting the button on the bottom of the on the bottom of the cash register, which I don't mean to tell on cash register people or anybody else, but every cash register by law has to have a button that opens the till on the bottom. You pick it up and there's a button, there's a latch, there's something, you open it up, the till opens up. Take the money out, lift it up, 50s and 100s underneath. Then you go to the lottery, draw. Take that out and you take all the Marlboros, Newports, Newport 100s, and Black Miles. And you're gone in 45 seconds. That's a nice, that's a, for me that's a nice score. She's waiting in the car, two blocks down. I'm, 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 I'm crawling through bushes and going underneath cars and going around and mask on and shit and, you know, throwing hair, throwing whatever I got through the window. And by the time the alarm goes off, I'm on my way out. Okay, so when you do six, seven, eight of those in a four or five town area and it's the same MO, these cops aren't stupid, man. You get busted for one, you know, now they come down on you. <laughs> the only thing is I stopped that and then somebody picked up my MO. Somebody picked up my MO. It was, it was right after my accident because I was doing all this shit up until my accident. I'm making this money. I came in 2015. 2015, January 4, 2015. I got locked up sometime in 2002. It was right after the blackout that they had. I think that was in August. September, October, I get locked up. 2002. I don't come home until January 4, 2013. So what, 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 what gets you locked up? What what's me, what's what, the incident? <laughs> what gets me locked up is all these smashing grabs. So, okay, no, 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 no. That's not what got me. That's what got. That's not what got me a lot of time. Um, I get locked up for a smash and grab. This is what happened originally. I didn't have a car. I didn't have nothing. I'm walking down the street. I'm in Belleville on Franklin Avenue. I'm an asshole. I look at a house that has an enclosed porch. I go to the porch. I kick the. I kick the. I kick the door in. This is what an asshole I am. Okay. This is just uh, again. Who I am today, who I was then, who I was in between, it doesn't matter. This is my story. I kicked the door in. When I kicked the door in, I must have got, I must have got one of the beginnings of hoarders, okay? Because when this, I kicked this door open, there was shit everywhere. Newspapers, bottles of piss, Chinese food, this, that. Ashes, cat shit, cats, dogs. It does, it, everything was all over the place. And, and who's sitting on a fucking couch? I gotta fix this, man. So, uh, so, so, I, so I, I go into this, doing this guy sleep on the couch. What the fuck, you know? He didn't wake up. I kicked his fucking door in. He didn't wake up. So I'm like, I'm already in. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm like, there can't be anything here. I picked the worst fucking house on Franklin Avenue, you know? So I look in, so I go around, and I, and I go into the kitchen. That's when I knew, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm not even going in the bedroom. There's no jewelry, there's no, there's no boxes, there's nothing in there. I said, I'm turning around. I start sneaking out. This fucking guy wakes up. This guy wakes up because his cat jumped off the shelf or something. Didn't make a noise. When you kissed on the door, This fucking guy wakes up. He looks at me. What are you doing? I'm sorry, wrong house. Boom, I leave. I, I jet, I'm running down this main road, now Franklin Avenue, uh, Franklin Street, Franklin Avenue, whatever it was. 
and I make a left, and I go down this, I go down this, this, this dead end street, and there's a, there's a stream. It's in Belleville. I see a cop come. He's a, he's a captain because he comes all the way down. The guy described me down to the fucking T. He comes. He's like, hey, uh, listen, we got a, a, a report of whatever. He's like, yeah, just come over here for a minute. All right. <clears throat> Boom, and I take off. And I, and, I run ins- and I run inside this little stream, this, this little brook. But when I run inside the brook, the brook is this big, but there's that much of leaves on the bottom, dead leaves. Oh, man. I got in the leaves, and I, I sunk all the way down up to my chest. It's all dirty fucking black leaves, everything that's on the bottom. I get out like that. I go through a couple yards. I get into a, uh, uh, a little thing where, where they keep weed whackers and stuff, a shed. But when I go in there, I fall asleep. I don't know how long I fall asleep for. I don't know. I get out. I come out. Look around. Nobody's looking. Come out. It was a cul-de-sac. I start walking. As I'm walking, I see a, I see a, a mailman in a truck. And he just looks at me. Next thing I know, here comes all the cops. Lock me up. They bring the guy by to identify me. They lock me up. You were in the lineup, the whole shebang? Or? No, I was in the back of the cop car. Oh, and no, to identify. No, there was no lineup. Oh, okay. It was just me. No, that was it. It was just me. So when he, when, he, when he drove by, I tried to cross my eyes and everything like it wasn't me, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I tried to do anything, but he was like, yeah, that's him, you know? So they locked me up. This is Belleville. So I'm in Belleville. Now I'm, 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 filthy. I'm filthy. I call my mom. I said, Ma, please bring me some new clothes. I said, I'm going to jail, you know? But she brings me a new T-shirt. I tell her, bring me... Uh, uh, a gray sweat outfit and everything so when I go into the county I can keep it. You're allowed to keep gray sweat outfits. She brings me a new t-shirt, new boxers, new socks, new sweatpants, new sweatshirt, no sneakers. I'm not buying new sneakers for you, poke. Blah, blah, blah. She comes down to Belleville. They give it to me. Okay, so now I'm sitting in, now I'm sitting in the cell and I'm faking seizures. I'm doing everything I could. I want to get the fuck out of here, man. I want to get the fuck out of here. So they bring me, I start complaining about whatever. They bring me to Claremont's hospital. So they bring a cop with me. Who brings me? My brother's best friend. Is the cop. My brother's best friend is the cop. And he's a real, he's, he's a pretty boy. He's a cop. He's a bubble guy. You know, this is back in the early 2000s. He's a pretty boy, you know, Italian dude. So we go up to the hospital and they got me chained to here. Now, the thing is with me, I would always keep a paperclip inside my sweatpants or somewhere because everybody in Essex County, especially Essex County Sheriff, uses uh, um, Smith & Wesson handcuffs. Smith & Wesson handcuffs, you get out with a paperclip. You bend the tip a little bit, comes right out. Double lock or nothing. This I know for a fact. Because when I would go back and forth to court, I'd have a paperclip. And I'd be like this in the, in the bus ride back and forth. And, and, you know, everybody'd be like, yo, man, what the fuck? White boy's crazy, man. Like, hey, you want to get out? You know, because they would only give you one hand like this. This one, this one, that one, that one, that one, you know. I would always keep a paperclip in there. So they bring me to the hospital. But they took my sneakers. They didn't want me to run. So now here I am with fucking socks. I got no sneakers. They bring me up to uh, 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 Claremont's Hospital. And I'm up there, and I'm, I'm chained to the thing, and I'm like, tell him I have seizure and everything. So here's, uh, I forget his name, bro. He was a douchebag, too, that cop. No, he was, he was. He'll probably admit to it, too. So anyway, but he's a, he's a ladies' man, so he's talking to the nurses, and he's Don Juan in them, and I'm like, this fucking guy, man. I said, I want to, you know, I'm 
fuck out of here. I got the, I got the, I got the, the handcuff halfway off. I'm ready, pew, I'm ready to fuck out of here, man. I, I know I'm gonna get a high bail. This is back when they had bails in Jersey. I know I'm gonna get a high bail. You know, I, I, I get the fuck out of here. I wouldn't do anything to get out of here. I don't care. So he's talking to the nurses, but he's standing right down, just motherfucker, man, you know. So when they were ready, when they were ready to sign me out, he went to sign me out. I said, it's my only chance. It's my only chance. Boom, yeah, I start running. I run out the double doors. Who's outside the double doors? Two security guards that are the size of fucking rocks, like, like the rock, two of them. They just grabbed, just, just grabbed like I was nothing. I was 120 pounds. You know, they just grabbed me like, here comes, here comes fucking douchebag. Oh, yo, you fucking did that to me, bro. I know your brother. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, come on, fucking ass. You know, so he didn't even say nothing about it because he would have gotten in trouble. So they bring me back. They bring me back to Belleville, right? So they bring me back to Belleville. So now they bring me to the county jail that night. They bring me back to the county jail that night. Uh, that day, it's, it's about 4.30 when I get there, quarter to five. They bring me upstairs to get a bail, okay? By the time they do our bail, if anybody knows about Essex County, when you walk in, there's, when you walk in from the bullpen, there's one elevator, there's another elevator that's a dead end, and you go up that way, you go either one. We went up the back one. And when you go up there and you see, and you're looking at the numbers, it doesn't say one, two, three, four. It has arrow, X, this, arrow that, arrow that, this. It's just different things. It doesn't say numbers, but I paid attention all the time I was fucking in there. So we go up there. They give me a $150,000 cash bail only. See, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. If, if, my, if, my, mail, if my bail was $100, I wasn't getting out. You're nobody, was, <laughs> nobody was getting me out, dude. It doesn't matter if it was $2, nobody was getting me out. So we're on our way down. Again, if you've ever been in Essex County, you know. So they go in the elevators, one cop. Now again, I got this paper clip on me. I'm only handcuffed like this, one person. We're in a chain gang, there's 11 of us. Cuffed with one hand to this one, one hand to that one, like that. It's a little bit after five, everybody wants to go home. You know, one cop brings us down. I'm in the middle, like this. I take, I take my cuff off, so I'm just holding on like this. So when you come from the back elevator, we're about the cops in front of us. Okay, follow me, guys. We follow. All the way down to the end, there's a desk. They're not looking. So as we're walking, we walk by the, the first elevator. I go right in there. Nobody says nothing. I'm shaking like a fucking leaf, bro. I press, I press a button. It goes like that. I go up. Those are the prisoner elevators. So I go up. Bing. It opens up. There's two little, two little, uh, bullpen's there. I go out Is it the, to, the, to the door, to the, uh, to the courtroom. I open it up. I hear typing. Fuck. I don't know if these people saw me leave or not yet. Okay. They didn't. They didn't for a couple of hours. Okay. You know, there's no way you can get away with this in this day and age now. No, no, of course not. <laughs> no, of course not. So I get back in the elevator. I hit the button again. I go up to this. I find out it's the seventh floor. I go up to the seventh floor. Bing. Again, open up. There's two small thing again it's like quarter after five i open up the i open up the door to the to the uh to the courtroom nobody's there here i am all gray no sneakers just socks you know i uh i go out i go out i go out the front i go out the those things and then i go out the door 
So I don't want to take the elevator because now all, everybody's waiting for elevators, waiting to go downstairs. On both sides of the floors, there's emergency, emergency stairs. Nobody's allowed to take them. I take the emergency stair, go all the way down, sixth floor, go to try to open it. You can't open it from the emergency, from the emergency staircase. I go all the way down to the basement. I open the door. I open it up. What's that? It's the fucking canteen department for the county jail. It's the canteen department. I see boxes of, of tops and noodles and this. Holy shit. I go back upstairs. No. Back upstairs. Second floor. It opens up. I go onto the elevators. Come down. I go downstairs. I walk out with everybody. I walk right past the guards and the, the, the metal detectors. And I walk right out. Like Shawshank Redemption. Nobody looks at your feet. I walk out. Blah, blah, blah. I walk from the courthouse in downtown Newark. I'm fucking bugging. I don't know if they knew, knew I was gone. I'm sweating like a horn church, you know. I, I, so I'm trying to stop at every, at every cell phone, at, at, at every uh, pay phone, and you can still make click calls then on the cell phone. I'm calling everybody. I want to call my girlfriend at the time, my daughter's mother. Come pick me up. I'm going to go shave my head, and I'm going to North Carolina to my aunt's house. Nobody's answering. I'm going all the way down. <laughs> I'm going all the way down um, downtown Newark. I try to get sneakers off the guy who's selling knockoff sneakers, nothing. Poppy, no, I can't. So I get down to the trolley. I'm sitting at the trolley like this. Here comes this black lady. She's coming down. She's got all, all she's real decked out, all gold and everything. I said, Ma, somebody stole my boots. I'm trying to get home. I got to get two stops on a trolley. I'm going to Bell. I'm going to Newark. Borderline of Belleville, go to my friend's house, you know. She says, she says, I got no money. She said, I don't know any money, Pa. Follow me, I'll show you how to hop the turnstile. Fuck. All right, I follow her. We get on the trolley. We go on the trolley. We have to go. The last stop is going to be Silver Lake, right across the street. My friend lives. I go in there, shave my head, call my girl, gone. They stop a, a stop before which is right across the street from Stephen Crane Projects, borderline of Bel uh, Belleville and Newark. I get off there. Yeah, you got to get off. I'm calling everybody, calling everybody. It's a horseshoe. On the other side is the Projects and Dunkin' Donuts. Always cops there. Always cops there. Here comes a trolley. Gets off. Everybody goes. Trolley. Gets off. Everybody goes. I'm calling everybody, calling everybody. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't know if they know I'm gone. So another trolley comes. I get off. I go in front of Stephen Crane. Projects, projects, which is old folks' home. I'm walking, and I go through the projects. I said, okay, people out there selling, you know. I'm walking through, and all of a sudden, I get tackled. I get, tack I get tackled by a fucking detective. I fit the description of a robbery suspect. Somebody just snatched a woman's purse right across the street at Home's Liquors, a Puerto Rican lady that lives in this retirement building. I get him, I get him off. I start running. I start running across the project things. Dude, I swear to God. As I'm running across the front of the buildings, it was like a, it was, it was, it was like a, uh, a video game. Little kid threw his bike at me. Cause I'm being chased, but as, oh, I'm, being, as I'm chasing, as, as I'm being chased, people that are hustling, people that are out there and start chasing me because the lady was from there. Yeah, they thought you attacked the lady. Yes, so they start chasing me. An old man threw a cane at me. Bro, I swear to God, there was an old, there was a, there was a bum. And I remember, because this is back then when they, they used to have like the, 
like the uh, the, the leather emblems like this with with the uh, with the Africa on it. And it was different colors. Yeah, probably even before your time. They way before right there. Okay, <laughs> you know. So and I remember seeing that as I'm running. He threw his fucking beer at me. You know, so I'm like, oh my God, another guy throws his fucking walker at me. So I'm running again. I got an injury on my foot. I can't bend my big toe because it was fused together, but I got no sneakers on. I go around the projects. I, I'd, like to meet, I'd like to meet this guy today. Picture fat, you know, Fat Albert. Picture Fat Albert with small legs, big belly, but like this, 350. I don't know what this fucking guy's track star. I'm running, dude. I'm running and I, and I hit a fence. I think it was like a 15 foot fence that usually had the barbed wire like this, the cheap barbed wire, but there was no barbed wire. It was just the things like this on top. I climb up there as soon as I put my leg over. This dude, this black dude, he, again, 350, grabs my ankle like this and grabs me. <sighs> this dude, this, like, he was that big that he was snarling. He wasn't breathing. I, I couldn't let him go. My mouth was dry. I couldn't spit on him. I couldn't do nothing. He's yanking me. By that time, here comes everybody fucking throwing bottles at me. Boom, bounded. They ripped my sweatpants off. Mind you, I still got my sweatpants on. I, I still got the uh, paper clip up here by the drawstring. <clears throat> they pull me down. Boop, bop, boop, bop, bop. They beat the shit out of me, right? HM. Housing cops come, two rookies. Put me in the back of the cop car, in my boxers, sweatpants are in the trunk. My handcuff keys in there. What the fuck? I was so skinny at the time, I was able to put in front of me. So they go around in front of the projects, so that's where it happened. Here's an ambulance facing this way, Newark cop car facing this way, housing cop car facing this way, right in front of the Newark cop car. I'm in the back of the housing cop car. They don't know, they want to keep the lights on. Do we keep it started? What do we? They keep it started, but they left the window cracked. Okay, they left the window cracked. I put the handcuffs in front of me. I shoot him an alias. I shoot him my middle name, my stepfather's last. My name's my name is Michael Burkhart. And they have no idea that you just escaped from prison either. No, no, no. So I'm sitting there. So here's this Puerto Rican on the side right there. He's like, yeah, you try to rob somebody from around us. We fucked you up. And I'm like, this motherfucker. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna get in this car and I'm gone. You know, the keys are right there, the handcuff keys on there, I said, I'm gone. This motherfucker's over here, yeah, he fucked you up, blah, blah, blah. He turned around for a minute. I'm like, like this, I, I hop in the front of the cop car. As soon as I hop in the front of the cop car, I hear him, because both, both of the windows are down in the front. I hear him, oh, yo, we trying to get away, trying to get away. So I, as soon as I sit up, and I, I'm handcuffed, as soon as I sit up and I try to grab the gear shift to put it in reverse, the cop comes around comes in, he, he sneaks me. So when I grab it, it goes in drive or low. And I, 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 I hit the other the cop, it was no big deal. This guy comes in, yanking me out. I'm holding on, he's yanking, yanking, he's fucking hit me on top of the head. He's hitting me on top of the head. He wanted to break in his hand, but he pulled me on the side of the cop car. They're fucking stomping me. Boom, one of the worst ass women I ever got in my life. So they re-handcuffed me, put me back in the cop car. I never got in trouble for that because it was their fault. They bring me down to robbery homicide. Again, my name is Eric Burkhart. I'm down there. I can't even lay down in a holding cell because I got lumps all over me, man. I'm fucked up. So, detective calls me out. I go up, I talk to him. Blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah, it wasn't my name. It was Eric Burke. I mean, Michael Burkhart. Blah, blah blah. I turn around. I turn around. I walk. I hear, "Yo, Poke." Anybody? Everybody knows me as Poke. Why do you get the nickname Poke? I'll tell you why real quick. Because when I was a baby, I was stubborn. When I was zero to six months old, I wouldn't laugh except when my mother would poke me in my stomach. Go poke, 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 poke. So my mother has never, ever, not even kidding around, called me Eric. Just poke. Ever, ever. Ma, do me a favor. Let me run downstairs and say, Eric, dinner's ready. No, 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 I'm not doing that. No. Ma, please, ma, please, ma, please. All right, go downstairs. Poke, dinner's ready. I'm like, come on, ma. So, you know, so I, I hear poke. I turn around. Uh, I forget his name. My sister's best friend when we grew up in Newark. He's a uh, robbery homicide detective. Poke, what happened? Uh, what the hell was his name? I forget his name. Uh... He's like, hey, what's, you know, what's going on? What happened? You were doing good, but, but, you know, I said, listen, man, you know, I said, listen, they're going to find out anyway. I said, but I just escaped from the county. He's like, oh, I'm not going to say nothing. What are you going to find out? He's like, listen, I got 13 witnesses that said that you robbed that per. I said, what the fuck was his name? John LaBella, John LaBella. I said, John, come on, bro. Don't hit me with the bullshit. You know, I'm handcuffed to the, f he unhandcuffs me go over there and there's 11 people. And who else I noticed? The fucking bum. The bum. Here they are. They want to, to 13 people. I'm going to say, yeah, I robbed this lady's purse. I, I tried to snag this, this lady's purse. So I get locked up for escape, burglaries, and now a second degree strong arm robbery. Ian, there's two things in my life I didn't do. Everything else I did, I got a fucked up wreck. I got a fucked up wreck. I had 31 felony convictions. I did them all except for this. I didn't do that, and I didn't burn the car that fucking Michael Cochran inch, okay, when I was 13 years old, fucking told on me. I still got the paperwork for you, cocksucker. Yeah. Yeah, I still got the paperwork for you. That's why I unfriended you. You unfriended him on Facebook? Yeah, because he friended me. <laughs> Inch Michael Cochran. Yeah, they fucking told on me, bro. Listen, this, this, they, 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 it was a Jetta. You know, oh, so, man. you know, somebody robbed it and we were all, you know, we're 13 year old riding around a neighborhood. He gets it and he goes up there and he goes and he buys fucking gas, pours it in there, sticks his head in the door, lights the mat, singes everything. He's got blonde hair, singes everything. They lock us up. Somebody says, oh, we saw a poke running. Here he is like this. He says, oh, well, Polk did it. So everyone's just blaming you during this Come, time period. Was, no, it's just at that, just that time. Everybody kept their mouth shut except for fucking him. So the guy at the jail tells you, hey, Polk. Hey, Polk. He turns around, so he says, we got these people. So I had to wind up pleading guilty to this. So I go down on a 10 with 85. But what about the other thing you were arrested for? Run concurrent. So, so they, they pieced together that you escaped from jail? They knew that, Do yeah. you get an escape from jail charge? Listen to this. Yeah, mm -hmm. listen to this. So they bring me back, right? They bring me back to the county jail. So I go to the county jail, and internal affairs comes down. We want to know how you did it. We want to know this. I said, I'm not telling a lot. First of all, I need slippers. I want something to eat. I want to smoke. You're now, making the demands now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to know. Well, I'm not going to tell you. So they come, they come, and they give me a cigarette and a uh, Court sandwich. I want to slip it. My fucking feet hurt, man. My feet hurt. Here comes the uh, bailiff. Big black dude. Light skin. Fucking huge. He's in the back of them. He's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up. Because you, he was the one that, that, that brought us down from upstairs. And I ran on him. And I kept telling him, yo, I need my blood pressure medication. Catapress. I just wanted to go to sleep. That shit makes you go to sleep. 
they give that they give that to people who are detoxing. So it brings down your blood pressure. But when you bring your blood pressure down, it makes you go to sleep. He was like, man, we looked all around the courthouse for you. You know, you're going to get me fired. I'm like, man, fuck you. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you. So when IA came down again, they was like, okay, just tell us what happened. I was like, he told me to leave with this hat. This dude, it was, like a, it was like a cartoon, man. It was like steam came out of his, it came out of his ears because I was blaming him. I'm not going to tell you I got out. But I wound up telling him how I got out. I said, I just slipped out of the fucking thing and I left. But I wound up blaming this cop. Nothing happened to him, you know. So I go down on a 10 with 85 uh, for the violent crime. Uh, that's 2002. I wound up uh, doing eight and a half years. How much time did they sentence you to? They sentenced me to eight with eight, 10 with 85. Yeah. They sentenced me to 10 with, eight, 10 with 85 in 2002. So what does that mean? How, how does that? Eight and a half years. Eight and a half yeah, years. Yeah, I had again. a De Niro react, which you have to do 85% of 10 years. So I did eight and a half years with three years parole. I go home in January 4th. This is, I didn't do 13 years straight. I did eight and a half, was home for three days. Punch my parole officer in the face. You punch your parole? Why did you punch because your parole I had a fake, officer? I had fake piss hanging from my nuts. You got to tell the story, man. I will. I will. <laughs> tell, tell us the I story. Will. It's funny. Yeah. And I think my mom told on me, too. <laughs> so so you got home for eight and a half years in I prison. Eight and a half years. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, everyone's, everything's great. I'm living in Wayne, Passaic County. So I got to go down to uh, Passaic, New Jersey to go to parole. So I go down. I go down the first time. I go down there, okay, I'm gonna do this, gonna do this, give me urine. I go home. I go home, the first thing I'm thinking about, I wanna do some opiates. Because I've been talking to these girls, talking mad shit, I'm gonna crack your ass, fucking shit out of you. If I go home, it's two pumps and a chump, that's it. You know, you come home after eight and a half years of beating off, you know, I'm just saying, you see a girl and, and you know. So I do a little bit of opiates, you know, so I can just go all night. You know, it's like Viagra back then. He calls me back in. I'm sorry, four days later, he calls me back in. I take a bottle of pee uh, and I tie it to my nutsack. I did because I had just gotten there. He called me on, just on a whim. He called me on a whim. I think my mom saw that I was using and she called him and told him. My mom don't play that shit. My mom don't play that shit. She wants the best for her kids. So I think she told him, I mean, whatever. So I go down there and I didn't have nothing else. I have nothing else. I got a bottle of pee. I got it from somebody who was clean. I take the drawstring out of my out of, out of my sweatpants and I tie it around the top of this aspirin bottle and I tie it around my 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 nutsack, but I tie it up top top of the nuts. So we go in. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna need a urine or whatever." I said, "All right." We walk into the thing. He says, "Pull your pants down." I said, "Huh?" He said, "Pull your pants down." I, I, was he watching me? Because I, I had a Freak did he exactly know, he said, pull your pants down. I try to pull my pants down, I grab the bottle, and I try to pull it. You can't, you can't pull a knot like this over your nutsack. Oh, you can't, you, you can't. I'm like, ah, oh, ah, oh, I, I can't do it. So I pull my pants down and here it is, this bottle of piss, this place, it's a Tylenol bottle just hanging from my nuts with a long ass string next to it because I went around my, my sweatpants. And I'm like, shit, man. So he violated me from that day. And you got four more years or whatever? I, I, I had to finish the last three years. 
Eric, that I, no. listen, I've recorded almost 60 episodes and I would have to say that's probably one of the craziest it, stories it, I've ever heard. The, the last two stories you've told. Yo, and, and but the thing is, but then he charged me as a street charge for, I forgot exactly what the charge was for fabricating a, a urine test. He actually gave me a, a street charge for it. So I went to Max now and I came home in 2015. But yeah, man, so some bull crap. You did 13 years in prison pretty much. Yes. Yeah, What's, years. I want to know the craziest story. Give me the top. Yeah, I got Give me the craziest story because your whole life has been oh, filled with crazy shit. stories. Dude, yeah. dude, like. Give uh, me the top one. I want to know, like, if you, if you had to pitch this for a movie right now, what's the craziest story? I almost want to cry for this, dude, man. I was in Northern State, uh, the Northern State Prison in Newark. Um, I was on A Unit. Uh, this is going back 2004. 2004. As a blood dude. Everybody on the fucking compound, uh, not everybody in the unit knew what was going on, but him, but him. Uh, I forgot exactly what he did. He was set tripping, I don't, I don't, whatever it was. So me being part of a, a prison gang at the time, you're, you know, you're keen to what's going on. Listen, standpoint, you know, come out strapped, blah, blah. They took this dude into the corner. Okay, this is dude, dude into the corner. And there was four people standing around this dude, and they let him sleep. They were talking to him, whatever. The one dude hit him. He hit him. He went into the door and fell down. He got knocked out. He's laying on the ground. The four people took out, they didn't put the locks in the socks. People know when you put a lock in a sock and you hit somebody, it's gonna rip open and the lock's gonna go flying out. So lock in a sock doesn't do nothing. You gotta tie the lock. Through the, 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 and then you hit, it's not ripping it. Because if you take a lock and put it in a sock and hit it against concrete one or two times, it's gonna make a hole and when you pull it back, it's gonna fly out, you're fucked. You're f they tied him. They hit this kid in his fucking head, okay? His eyeballs popped out, just pop, pop. They were stomping, they were stomping on him. Just, there was no, no mercy. There was nothing. It was like it was like it was a fucking teddy bear, dude. These dudes had no sympathy at all. And that's not the very first time. Like down in down in the, down the bullpen and down in Newark, they do that. They're good for that. Somebody's trying to save it against somebody. They fuck you up in that back bullpen. They stomp on your fucking head, dude. I've seen it over and over again. But but that dude, his eyes popped out. That wasn't the first time I've seen somebody's eye pop out. I've seen I've probably seen somebody's eyes pop out more than I've seen people get stabbed. And I've seen a lot of people get stabbed because it was locking socks. Come up, hit you from behind, they hit you right here, they break your sock, it just, it just comes out. Some of them come all the way out, some come out. Wow. You know, dude, like it's fucked up. I, I mean, How did you end up in a prison game? Because you're just like this burglar, white dude that's like, a, a, was an addict. My, my, very, my very first prison bid, I went down to, uh, I went down to, uh, damn it. It's closed now. It was a youth. It was a youth offender, Bordentown. 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 I went down to Bordentown. I went down to Bordentown, and when I, Borden, back then this was 1994, 1995. There was only five percenters, Latin kings, nietas. Muslims weren't a gang, but they were close in family. They fought together. Um, five percenters, and then the white boys. 
Okay, so when I went down there, I was naive. It's the first time I was locked up, I, you know. Uh, so I was down there with a lot of people that I knew. So I heard about this organization. It wasn't called a gang. It was called an association. You know, it was called Association Nieta, and it, and it, was, it was started to go against, to be against the corrupt administration, the people who want to rape people, who want to extort people, uh, you know, all that shit. I mean, of course we, you know, of course it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't matter with the chomos or the snitches or whatever. But the main thing that attracted me to it was it was going against corrupt administration. Now, mind you, back then there was no cameras. They got cameras on, they got vest cameras on and, and DOC now in Jersey. They didn't have cameras in a unit, you know? So there was, there was so much corrupt, corruptness with the guards. You know, I've been in ADSEG time and time and time and time again, going after these cops. These cops want to talk shit and do this and do, you know. So you're sent on a mission. You're not sent on a mission to blow up a chomo. You're sent on a mission to fucking, you know, to go take this guard and fucking just beat him up. But you didn't get caught back then. You know, you didn't get caught. So I got, I got attracted to that. Not only, not only that, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to go with the white guys. You know, it, it's not segregating. This is the thing that scares me from ever getting locked up again in feds. Not to, I'm going to kill myself. I, I can't go there and, 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 and I listen to your stories and, and Chad and all the people that he has and stuff. That's fucking crazy, dude. That's crazy. You know, to be segregated like that, I fuck with everybody. This is how I grew up. I can't go to prison and not talk to a black dude, not bunk with a Puerto Rican dude. I grew up with these people, you know? <laughs> so the association yeah, that, I, that, I, that, I, that I joined didn't discriminate. Whites, blacks, Puerto Ricans, you know. Uh, and we ran, with, we, we, we ran with, the, uh, with the Latin kings, you know. But we were against the corrupt administration and, 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 and the political inmates that were against inmates. That, that would, they, they called them... Uh, uh, group 27 and group 25. So you were for the people. <laughs> for the, yeah, yeah, for the people. And, and as, as the years go on, uh, I went home, came back, still in it, went home, came back. And I'm true to it. I'm still true to it. Now, I, I, I stand for what they stand for. Am I still running? With it? No, I'm not. Because last time I went back to prison, I went back and they totally, it's, now it's a fucking gang gang. We were always, uh, we were always a security threat group. But we would go after the people who would steal and rape and extort. And now people are using us as protection to sell drugs, to do the, even out on the fucking street. Come on, dude, I'm not running with that shit, man. It's changed. You know? and, I, and, and I got in it, I got in this shit when I was 19 years old. I'm 48 years old. It's almost 30 years. Yeah. You know? Uh, How would you make money in prison? Because you didn't have anything. And I'm sure your parents weren't really supporting you. Well, well. So what was what was the hustle? See, this is wow. Um, the hustle was drugs, bro. The you hustle, were selling drugs in the prison. Hustle, the hustle, I, I was selling drugs and I was doing drugs. And this is the one part that I not that I didn't want to talk about because people, my family and close friends and stuff, they all know I was locked up. They don't know the ins and outs. They don't know that I had somebody bringing me you know, four grams of fucking heroin every Saturday. Like a dirty and, cop. And it, no, no, girl. Okay. No, we, no, we didn't need that back then. We didn't, you know. How would she bring it in? Put it, put it in a waistband, 
put it in her pocket, put it in her vagina, put it in her mouth, come in, hand it to me, I put it right here, sit there, enjoy the visit, we go back, stand in line, and boop. And how much do you make? A lot. A lot, like, see, back then, back then, bricks of heroin, uh, they were $50, they were $10 bags, you know, but you would get, a, you would get $50, you would get 50 bags for $150, and you can sell three bags for 100 Do the fucking math on that. You know, I was making a lot of money. I was also doing it because what are you doing when you're in prison and, and you're, facing, you're facing fucking eight and a half years. You're brand new on a bid, you know. I traded for weed. I traded for this. I traded for that. I used to have so much of it. I didn't know what to do with it. But, of course, I was doing it. I caught habits in there and everything, you know. And one of the girls that was bringing it to me one time, I asked her, and I would send home money all the time, all the time, all the time. I would give it to my, to my, to my, my gang people, and we'd all make money. He would make sure they were taken care of so we can keep bringing it in. I called her one day and I said, listen, send me $100 because I want to buy a radio that they just put on there, but I, I want it so I can have my name on it. It could be official. I don't have it. You don't have it? I just send you $600. What do you mean you don't have it? Come to find out this person started using and fucked up the church's money. So that put me in a predicament because there I am. Here she is picking up something from you on the street. She gets $100 and the package. She brings it in, I bring the package in, we split it. Okay, when she gives it to me, there's only half of it now. You're expecting this. You're not getting that, even if I give it all to you. Cause she's taking it, she's doing this, she's doing that. Oh my fucking God, dude, like this fucking chick does not know what how much she put my life in jeopardy. You know, I've had, I had fucking shanks to my, to my neck. You know, I've got fucking punched in the face, but I was always in the wrong. What the fuck can I do? Yeah, I fight back, but it's a no-win situation. Because now, not just am I getting beat up by my brothers or disciplined, you know, now people looking at me like, but then everybody knows what you're fucking doing because once you get in trouble, now everybody knows what you're doing. They're waiting for you to come back from visit. I never got caught. Never, ever got caught with it. Never got caught with a dirty yarn. And would you believe that 13 years, I got two fights. Two fights in 13 years. Why? Because I'm out of fucking jail. I'm like Jay Williams. Really. No, that, really, again, because I make moves and I do, you know, and I, was, I wasn't the man. You learned how to move. I, I wasn't the man, but people wanted to make money off of me. I was one of the, one of the only people that was bringing shit in. At, at one time, you know, it was just always consistent, you know, and most of the people that wanted to bring something in, they wanted to make money off the dog, off the dog food, off, you know, off the drugs, because they were in, they were in other gangs that weren't allowed to do that, but they allowed to make money. They just wanted that weed. They didn't give a fuck about nothing else. They wanted that weed, you know, and she smoked weed too, and she was and, and like, dude, she just, fuck, man, like, like really, I got into a lot of fucking trouble, man, but I only got into two fights you know, uh, do you think voluntarily. Do you think prison creates a, a a worse environment for crime to happen, like within the walls? Two hundred percent. Two hundred percent. There's not there's not a there's not a doubt in my mind. The shit that I've seen, <laughs> the corruption with the cops. What would you say is the most corrupt thing you've seen with the cops? 
I mean, just uh, just regular everyday thing, you know, bringing in uh, bringing in drugs, bringing in phones, uh, phone, just phones and drugs, man. That's mm-hmm. like it's, so it's know, pretty common across all yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically the same thing, you know. Uh, somebody getting caught with a shank and nothing happening. And then like, nothing happening. Yeah, yeah, nothing happened to him. You know that. You know this motherfucker has. Uh, uh, you know, I I saw one cop walk out of it, and it wasn't from state. It was a it was it was a can of it was a can of uh, a a can of coffee, and the thing was just filled with fucking cash. It was filled with cash, dude. Yeah. It was filled with cash. I'm looking down there. I'm, I'm playing space. And I'm looking up, and I see the cop looking. I knew the dude too. I knew that he put his money in because when I didn't have something, I would have cash on me, and I'd go buy something. Yeah. And I would always see him put inside his fucking his 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 can. Of, and I saw this cop walk out of here with a fucking can one day. I know how to be filled with, with so much, you know. I don't know. I, I just tried to mind my business, you know, even though I was very observant and watched. What Did what on. you had to do to make it out. Who, who doesn't? So you end up doing the 13 years. When you get out I, I completely... Did you get clean right away? Did you try to? Did you have yes. a new mindset where yes, you're I like, did. I need to fix yes, my I, life? Yes, I, that was you have it. a daughter. That was that was it. Uh, that was it. I, I got uh, I got locked up. My my daughter was born in January 29th, uh, 2002. Um, I got locked up March, April, May, about June, July, something like that. So all that time I was locked up in her life. But my mom would bring her. My sister would bring her. The daughter's mother would bring her. I would talk to her on the phone. My mom would send me money, $100, and I would send it back to her. But I'd send it to Angelica Porsche, you know, my daughter's name. So it looks like that I would taking care of her, which my, my mom would have my daughter every weekend, you know, uh, and, 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 and all summer, you know. So I did have a good relationship with my daughter, not like I wanted to, you know, and I came home. Uh, How old were you when you came home? 2015. What was I? Uh, that was eight years. That seven, uh, seven years ago. So 41. Yeah. 41. Went back to work. Uh, my mom. Uh, we we kept we we suspended my we suspended my my um my union book. So I didn't have to pay ninety dollars a month. I had to pay some. My mom did. My mom did all that for me. So when I came home, I had my union book. And uh, I went right back to work. I was home a week, right back to work. Um, went back to work. No problems with probation, anything no, like that? No, I, no, I was on no paper then. And you were rebuilding your relationship with your daughter? Yes, yes. Do you think coming as a, as a father that went to prison, do you think you contributed to maybe some mental issues she could have had in her teenage years or older because you were a father in prison? Like we hear the her- term like dad issues and stuff. Do you think that contributed to that? I don't, she doesn't have too many dad issues because to, to my, my understanding and from what she shows me, it's all about me. You know, it's all about that. From my, what my mom tells me, my sister, they're very close with her. They say, you know what, regardless if you were away and you did what you did, it's always about you. There's something about your daughter looking up to you. Because you know what? Because I tried to keep that relationship open with my daughter when she came and see me. And this is important for people, anybody who's going to go away. Keep the line of communication open with your kids at the very least, you know, at the very least. I mean, now they have J plays, J players where you can email and do videos. They're not that shit. I was talking on the phone when it was, when it was $21 for 15 minutes, you know, um, but, but keep that line of communication open, man, because 
especially if they don't have uh, not so well mom or dad. You know, it's just the little things, whether it's drawing her a picture or seeing her on a visit and giving her your utmost attention. But when you come home, man, it's so important. It was so important for me. It was so important for me to make up the time, just to learn to get, not, not to make up the time and, and do this and do that. Here's some money. Here's that. I'm sorry. For the, no, I wanted to know my daughter, you know, but I kind of prepped her when she was coming to see me. I would talk to her about boys. I would talk to her about sex. I would talk, I'd talk to her about anything. Do you know what, do you know why I'm here? Do you know what's going on with mommy? Mommy wasn't too good at the time. Do you know this? You know, and my, my daughter was pretty smart, you know, and she was able to talk to me about things like that. And even today, you know, I'm a single dad. Uh, we, you know, we live together. I just had a, I just had a brand new baby. She's a uh, brand new granddaughter. She's three, three weeks old, you know, and I'm so happy that I kept some kind of communication open with my daughter. It's got to be hard, though, to think, you know, just that she didn't have a normal childhood. Like the person you brought into the world did not have a normal childhood because of your actions. Ian, Ian you know what? hundred percent, I, I, I take full responsibility for that, you know, because I believe if I didn't go away, my daughter would not be the woman she is today. Not saying it's anything wrong with what she is, but there's some characteristics of people, including myself, that you're just like, wow, I wonder if that would be different, wouldn't that be different? Whether it's please and thank you, or you know, something as simple as that, or, or, or being polite, or, or having common sense, or common courtesy. Not saying that she does, she doesn't. But just little things that I sit back and I'm like, wow, man, if I didn't go away, and I sit there in tears sometimes, a lot, a lot. And I'm like, fuck, she didn't fucking deserve that. How do you find peace at that point when, when you're dealing with thoughts like that? I wake up every day and I'm there for her. You know, both fortunately and unfortunately, I was forced into retirement with some money. You know, I'm okay. I try to go back to work. I can't. I can't. I'm fucked up, dude. You know, I have good days and bad days when good days and bad days when it comes to my when it comes to my hip and my legs. I tried to go back to, to, to doc building work. Wouldn't even, didn't even last an hour even less than now with my tool belt on. Then I tried a couple months ago to go uh, to try to do a blacktop. I lasted two weeks, that was it, you know? And I'm not trying to be cocky, but I get up every day and I do what the fuck I want to do. But not in an arrogant way, because when I get up in the morning, I, I, I find peace in myself and I have that, that peace around me, whether it's my dog or my cats or my daughter coming down and say, hey, father, you want something to eat? Hey, hey, she called me father. It's no dad, you know. Hey, I don't know why. I guess it'd be funny, you know. Hey, father, can I ask you a question? Hey, father, this. Hey, father, that. And you know what? That alone brings me peace. That my daughter could even talk to me, let alone come to me with advice, especially now with 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 the brand new baby, you know. And I'm sure it takes a lot for her to try to rebuild the relationship with you. You know what? We we've talked about it. You know, we've talked about, we we've touched base about it. We, we talk about everything else, but when it comes to my time away and how I fucked up, she's not stupid and I'm not stupid. We both see the same thing. And she just doesn't want to happen again. I think she's just so happy that for the last couple of years, I've, ju I've just been there. Well, you I, have a reason to live through her, through your grand, your grandkids. That gives you purpose. Dude, dude you, don't, you don't know. It makes you value time more. 
I, my life, my life is so important today, not just because of her and my grandchild, just because I look at things so much different now, you know, and, and again, my passion is to help. If I got nothing better to do, why not use, I've been shot, I've been crushed, I've overdosed, I've drowned it. What else did I do? I, I don't know. I should not be here. Without a doubt, I should not be here. You know, there's a reason why I'm here. And my mom says, folks, there's a reason you should be here. Use it to help people. So that's why when I got to my accident, you know, things were good. And I said, you know what, let me do what I want. Let me do what I love. I met a guy by the name of Dean, by, by name of Dean Mullen down in prison. He had a sober living house. I came home. We remained friends. Got into the accident. Uh, I was coming across some money. I was in recovery. He says, hey. I said, Dean, I want to do what you're doing. And this dude taught me a lot, man. He's a smart motherfucker, man. He is. He, and it's hand over fist when it comes to money. You know, it wasn't my motivation because I was good at the time. I was good. I, I didn't need the money. I just wanted to help people. And again, that's what I rewound my life. And I thought I was going to come up to upstate New York and retire. I got a little bit of land. I got two dogs, three cats, a daughter, a girlfriend I love, family. It's good. I'm clean, you know. And then I see there's people around here that just fucking dying, man. Come on, dude. It's like putting a it's like putting a gun to your head with two shells and a six shooter. The chances of you, you know, and this is the shit that I used to do when I would buy something, and I would buy something, let's say it was heroin, I would buy it off of this person. I don't know from Jack. And I know my tolerance is already high, so I'm gonna come back and I'm putting ten bags out. The fuck is doing 10 bags and you don't know what you're doing? My friend Nicky Ristano did one bag and he fucking died. My best friend Nicky Ristano did one bag and fucking died, became brain dead and he was died. He was my patient zero. He helped me with my company and he was patient zero, man. He fucking relapsed, man. One bag. He had a tolerance that he used to shoot 10, 15 bags at a whop. He sniffed one bag and it was the end of his life, dude. I don't know how lucky I got. Why am I here? Why am I? There's got to be a reason why I'm here. So now you, you you keep mentioning an accident. What was the accident that you got into that changed your entire life? Oh wow! That uh, de- kind of derailed your plans of uh, after you came home. Derailed my plans. Put plans into action. There's so many so many things you could, but definitely changed my life. Yes, on uh, on April fifth, two thousand seventeen, uh, working at my job, uh, dock building. You know, a lot of people don't know what a uh, what a vibratory hammer is. If you see on the side of, on the side of uh, on the side of rivers, sometimes you see the, this metal thing that kind of goes like that. Uh, and the thing that drives it into the ground is no one could see that part on the oh. screen. <laughs> so don't uh, worry about it. Uh, it's uh, eight foot by ten foot by 18 inches and it's seven tons. It's a vibratory hammer. It clasps onto these metal, this metal and it vibrates it into the ground. The metal is only that big, but it goes like that and they lock together. It's called sheeting. So it drives it into the ground like that. So we put one into the ground. It was hanging over, the hammer was hanging over us. The, uh, the operator, his foot slipped off the brake or whatever. It came down, the, 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 the piece that we were, that we were working on is a 50-foot piece. We laid it in first, 
on the one cable, we laid it down onto the ground, locked it into the other one, it locks in like this. Then it goes down, it locks in. You straighten it, set it on the ground, and then the hammer fall. Then the hammer comes down, and they guide it on there with the big claws, grabs onto it, starts shaking it down. Well, his, his foot fell off the, the brake. It fell 50 feet to the top of the sheet. The sheet was 50 feet. So my job, after we landed it, was to put a seat clamp down on the bottom. So when it does vibrate, it doesn't go like that. It stays right there. So I got to put a piece like that. So I went to go lean down and it fell 50 feet, hit the top of the sheet. The top of the sheet buckled, hit the side of my head with my hard hat, broke two of my ribs. And when it hit me, I remember saying to myself, oh my God, you know, it was just weird. Like I, I knew it knocked me out and I saw a flash of yellow. And yellow was, a, is the, was the color of the hammer. Uh, I woke up 15 minutes later, I was laying on my left side with this huge hammer laying above me like it was gonna come and flatten me. But it, instead of it falling all the way, it touched, it hit the piece that we just put into the ground. So it was like that. So when I woke up, FDNY was there, this happened in Queens, New York. Um, so when I woke up, they had, uh, four by four oak pieces uh, wedging, wedging this thing up. So I'm laying on my left side, not knowing it hit me in my lower back all this time. It was laying on my, both of my calves, both of my calves. I couldn't see my, my feet. So I'm laying there. I didn't feel a little pressure on my legs. Uh, not knowing I'm bleeding. It hit a major artery. I lost, yeah, I lost... Uh, 61% of my blood on the on the job site there. Wow. I didn't know all this. So excuse me, man. This is I don't talk about this show until I get a little choked up. Um so I'm laying there and FDNY's around and everything. So uh so I hear him, we got to take this off him. And there's nothing else on the job site that can pick this seven ton thing up except for the crane. It's called a block. It's got the hook on it with the cables. It's all tangled up. I see it. And there's forklifts, there's backhoes up on the, up on the you know, everybody came around on a big job site, you know, to see what's going on. Nothing could pick me up. I said, listen, I, t I, I told the, uh, the captain, I said, I said, Cap, Cap, come here. I said, listen, go get some, some, some spade shovels from right up there, we just moved the rig. I said, and dig me out. Dig me. I said, do me a favor. I just paid $399 uh, for my Red Wing boots. Excuse me. Don't cut them. You can cut the laces. Please don't cut my Red Wing boots off. They won't. They dug me out. So as they were dug me out, they started cutting my clothes off. When they cut my clothes off, I started to get a little, little cold. Again, I thought it was, it was, it was cold. It's because I was losing all my blood. They pulled me out. They put me on the on 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 the the, the, the flat piece. The stretcher or the not the stretcher, just the flat piece that they hold you up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's just a board. They carry me up this little embankment. I'm like this. They put me on the stretcher. They put me on the stretcher and they put me in the ambulance. It was only a couple of feet. When they put the the the, the, the gurney in there, it didn't lock in. So. 
and you can see it on the news report, on Channel 7 news report, as the ambulance is driving away, it's a, a job site. It's hitting like this. So I'm in the, I'm in the back, I'm like, ah! You know, I'm like, fuck, man. You know, I'm like, so they stopped, they, they, they locked the gurney in. I'm like, my back, my back. That's when I knew something was wrong with my back. They said, sir, you just had seven tons fall on your back. I said, my back? The last thing I remember was inserting, intervening, whatever it was, five or 50 milliliters of fentanyl. We're going back to 2017. Fentanyl didn't even come out yet, really. You know? Fentanyl. Yeah. I was out. I went out. Now, this is an important part of, 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 my, of my experience with this. That was April 5th. My birthday's April 10th, regardless. April 5th, 6th, 7th, and a half, okay? My girlfriend at the time, Christine Magilio, she stayed there with me, didn't move. My friend Richie Polanco, my best friend at the time, Richie Polanco comes. I'm in ICU. Now I'm in an induced coma. Neck brace, everything off. I, I, everything, breathing tube, everything. I don't know if anybody ever had a breathing tube down their mouth, down their throat, but they'll understand what I'm going to say in a minute. My friend Richie, Richie Polanco comes in, tells Christine, uh, Christine said, I'm going to go to the bathroom, watch him. My friend Richie Polanco comes in. Again, through this whole time, he never touches me. My friend Richie Polanco is a Jesus person. God bless you, Rich. He puts his hand over me, over my stomach, okay? And he starts praying. I open my eye. Now, mind you, I'm in an induced coma. Michael Jackson juice shit, whatever it was. You can't wake up at it. I wake up. I open my eyes. I scare him, okay? Because I see him jump, and I remember everything he had on, red, and gray, red, gray, and white, Yankee, uh, uh, you know, shirt, whatever. Jesus medallion, and he starts, and he looks at me, and he gets scared, and I look at him. So I'm sitting here, and he's like right there, standing over me, you know, uh, please, Jesus, look over my brother Pope, help him walk again. I'm not looking at Richie. I'm looking past Richie. Come to find out after I wake up, that was the door, and then the nurse's station was right out there, and the window was here. I'm sitting there in a neck brace and everything. I'm looking past Richie, and all I see is a giant glowing orb. Okay, and this is why I know I wasn't fucked up. I wasn't nothing. This is why I know it was real when I was awake. Number one, because Richie got scared when I woke up. I saw him a couple weeks later, and I remember everything he said. But I looked past him, and I saw a giant glowing orb. It wasn't connected to him. It was back then. It didn't look like anything. It just was just didn't make any noise. It was like, whoa, whoa, like that. And I'm looking at it, and Richie Polanco is standing over me. Please just help my brother walk again. Blah, blah, blah. And all this time, I'm looking at it. And I know what it is. I know for a fact what it is. This is the Holy Spirit. This is my something. I start crying. I start crying. This is how real it is. Now, again, anybody who has, who's ever had a breathing tube in there, all you want is your lips to have some kind of wetness on it. I don't give a shit what it is. They take, they take a, a sponge and go like this on your lips because they get so chapped and cracked. All I want is that. So I'm laying there and I start crying and my tears go down around my mouthpiece 
What a nasty taste because of the tears, but so refreshing at the same time. That's why, that's when I knew it was real and I'm looking at this thing and it's, oh, you know, and I knew it was my Holy Spirit, it was my, 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 my guardian, I don't care what it was. Or Richie's still praying, puts it over my head, he puts his hand over my head again, never touches me. You know, and he's praying, he pulls his hand away, I close my eyes, I wake up on my birthday. Another two and a half days later. Okay, I, I didn't see Richie again until I went to Jersey, went back to Jersey, got released from the hospital. 12 surgeries later, I went down to the emergency, I went down to the operating room six times. Every time I went, they did two surgeries. Ankle, hip, leg, hip, ankle, knee, but whatever it was. So it was 12 surgeries, 19 days. So I wake up. On my birthday, you know, family's there, everything. So I go to, uh, I, I go to the, uh, I go to Jersey, the West Orange, whatever the name of the, the place is, start to learn to walk again. And that's when Richie Planko came. And I said, Rich, do you remember? He said, don't say nothing. Let me tell you. And he said, you open your eyes, you're in a coma. And that's when we knew, you know. And I say all that to say that... <laughs> Ever since that day, things have been happening in my life that I can't explain. Okay, I, I, I just, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start talking about it because people are gonna look at me like you're a fucking liar. No, it just doesn't happen. No. Okay, whatever. I'll keep that to myself. You know, there's so many. I got things on video. <laughs> I got things on video. I caught on video. I'm ready to put on. What's that guy's name? Slapped ham, slapped ham, <laughs> slapped, dude, it's crazy. So anyway, so since that day, uh, my life has turned around. That's when, okay, I got into the accident. From that day, I was only collecting workman's comp. I wasn't collecting much, you know, but still at the time I was making a lot of money. So I was make, I, I was bringing home $1,600 every week after taxes and wasn't working. I couldn't walk. I had to go like this down the steps, get into a wheelchair, get into the car, blah, blah, blah. So me and my girlfriend at the time, we would drive around. That's when I lived in Bloomfield still. I was living with her. Go around to Newark, go around my old stopping areas. People, that's when I would pick people up and say, hey, listen, man, you know, come with me. You want some help? I don't know how I started making all these connections. I, I couldn't even imagine where I started first. Dean was help. He introduced me to a lot of people, a lot of owners of rehabs, detox that would give me that, that would give me free beds, you know, because I was just doing what I was doing. I didn't ask nobody for nothing. Nothing, I don't want a penny from nobody. I'm doing this because it's helping me stay clean. It's helping me remember where I come from because I'm not a born again Christian or nothing like that, but I know what I saw and I know what I, if I keep doing good, good things are gonna keep happening in my life and that's what keeps happening. That's why I'm here, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, that's why I'm spreading the message where I am. <laughs> so, um, I get into the accident, I, uh, things settle, I, I, I partner up with Dean, I open up my, uh, my, my company, uh, I call it Resources in Recovery, LLC, okay? Uh, I never owned the house outright, but I partnered up with Dean, Dean is Recovery Placement Services, RPS, taught me everything, introduced me to people, he said, your motivation and your will, and what you, uh, you know, your passion 
is selling. He said, you're going, to be a, you're going to be a great marketing person. I didn't even know what marketing was. I had no idea what marketing was. Marketing is like going shopping. Yeah, I didn't know what marketing was. Yeah. He taught me it. He showed me things. He'd say, you know, uh, I go to rehabs. I talk to counselors. Let's, let's bring them over here. You know, so I learned all that. But not only that, now I'm going and I'm in recovery and I'm learning about myself. Uh, I'm doing everything to do better in my life. Um, again, so, uh, so that's the part of my life, uh, that I, that, that really changed, that really changed, that accident changed me. And you know, it's a combination of everything you went through from childhood to prison, that whole thing mixed with the accident. It made you a better person. Everything, everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to plan out. And you came out on the other end of it. Dude, you, dude, you don't understand. It, it was a blessing. Well, dude, yeah. you don't understand. If I had to change one thing in my life, it would only be the amount of time that I did because I was away from my daughter. I deserve to be away for everything that I did. I did what I did. The only two things I didn't do was burn that car and rob that lady's purse. Everything else I did. 29 felony convictions. Did them all. But also on the other token of that, if you had one minute less, maybe you wouldn't be the person you are now. Maybe you needed every minute of that. No, I, you know what? You know what, Ian? I don't, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the person that I would be if my life was any different. If I decided to make a left instead of a right, if I said I made a right instead of a, if I stay, my mom told me one thing and it wasn't until 46 years later that I started listening. She says, poke, T-H-I-N-K. Five letters. Just think before you act or react to something. Just take one second and think of the consequences. And it wasn't until, until a couple of years ago after the accident that I started doing that. And you know what? I, you know, again, again that's part of, I, I say that to say that that's part of my life. Everybody played a part in my life. Everybody, all my ex-girlfriends, my girlfriend now, my sister, my family, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my, I wouldn't trade my life for nothing, anything, anything. I'm here for a reason. Again, I should have been dead. My mom said I should have been dead seven times over. I said I'd be dead 11 times over. That's seven, what she knows. You know, I also got, uh, there was a drug dealer that lived next to me when I lived on Charles Street. He was one of the biggest drug dealers in, 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 in Newark at the time. He lived right next to me. He lived in apartment one. I lived in apartment two. I used to live in apartment one. And you get right in with a fucking with a, with a paper with a uh, with a butter knife. He goes out there. I go in. Wow, he has the same sentry safe that I have. It's like this, and you could just take a butter knife again and slide it over. I pick it up, jewelry, everything. I take his heroin and his crack. His heroin has no name on it. He's the only person that has it, and his crack has silver tops. I handed out to people in the neighborhood. A couple of days later, I'm walking out of my door. I get hit with a baseball bat inside of my head. Um, they beat the shit out of me, put me into a coma, uh, put me into a coma in front of my house. Um, that was another time that my mother said I should have been dead. Uh, but again, I did what I did and I deserved what I got, you now, know? Now for anyone sitting here listening to your story, what do you want the takeaway to be? What do you want people to know from your message? Wow. <laughs> wow. What did it take away from my message? You have a choice always in life. You have a choice. 
And do what my mom says. Take a minute and think. That's all you need is a minute. A second, 30 seconds. Think about the consequences. If I act like this, if I do that, where's it going to put me? I'm getting put in handcuffs. I'm not getting home. I'm not going home. You have choices in life. It's just about taking a minute and thinking about what the right choice is. Because for Christ's sake, my story, all the stories that Ian had with the people on here, all the people that you watch, come on, now you think this shit is fake? This, this isn't fake. But the time that you did is not, time, what I did is not fake. Everything that you, everybody that you got on, it's not fake. You think this is fake? You think all the people that's standing by you now, when you go away, where are they going to be? Where, where are they going to be? You're, you know, you got to stand on your own two feet, man. you got to make decisions that are best for you. It, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Stop thinking of, don't make, you know what, there's something I try to live by now. Don't make choices based, don't make choices based on ego, lust, manipulation, or false pride. If I'm going to make a decision, don't make it on my ego. If I make, it, if I make a decision on my ego, it's going to be wrong. If I make a decision on lust, it's going to be wrong because I'm not thinking right. Manipulation is always wrong and false pride. If you make a decision based on any one of those things, it's going to be a wrong decision. And if you don't believe me, Google me. Look, 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 look at some of your, some, some of the last, la the last couple of people you had on here. Go on, uh, go on Locked In, uh, uh, Lockdown 23-1. You're, on you're my marketer uh, now, look yeah, at that. Yeah, come on, yeah, listen, hey, listen, but you know what, but ultimately, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. I just got pre-approved, uh, and again, I'm not trying to sell this, okay, but uh, I'd be stupid if I didn't come on here and talk about, uh, talk about the YouTube channel I just came up with. I was scared. I was scared to death to do this. But I saw all you guys doing this, and you gave me inspiration, especially when I, I, uh, I, I, I partnered up with, with this guy. He gave me a house. Uh, I gave him inspiration. And I told him, listen, we can save lives. You know, his thing is money, okay? Um, I, come, I, I, come here, I come here to market. I, I come here to market. Listen, I started, I'm sorry, I, st I started this, 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 this channel. It's called uh, From Handcuffs to Handouts. Because I'm going to go back and do what I did. I'm going to go and I'm going to pick people up from the streets. And I'm going to give them a handout. I'm going to give them a hand up. Okay, I still have my connections. If somebody needs help, call me. If you have somebody that's in prison, that needs to come home. They don't have a place to stay. If you got somebody in jail, it needs to be that needs to be placed uh, into a home or into a rehab. Call me. If you have a son that's going off the uh, that's that's going off the deep end, a daughter, a friend, somebody who needs somebody to talk to, an inspiration. Call me. If you need a detox, if you need a rehab, if you need a sober living, okay, it, it, it doesn't matter. Call me. Call me. This is what I love. This is what I love to do. Um, so I'm, I'm starting this. I just got pre-approved for a sober living home. I want to start it. It's in Ellenville. Uh, I want to get some people in there. I want to save some lives. I want to spread the word that you know life's a little bit more than 
running the streets, doing what you want to do, making your own calls. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I, I, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I'm like, I think you said it just perfectly. Now. I, you know, I, it, it, it's crazy, it, it, dude. It's 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 crazy because if if you make these decisions on your uh, on your own, man, most of the time, look, our best thinking got got us to where we were. That's what I did. Listen, my best thinking got me to where I thought that was my. I thought that was the best thing for me. Is the way I ran it, the streets. It's the worst times in our gang, life, yeah. and I was a shit in prison because I was doing. I was bringing in drugs, and I was on the streets because I had. I didn't have Cavariches. I couldn't afford Cavariches. I got Favariches, or you know. Yeah, but I always, I, I just wanted to be somebody who I really wasn't, you know, and so I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I said, you know what, if you can change yourself, then you can help change some other lives. And, I, and, and quite frankly, I got nothing better to do today with my life, you know, but to care for my family and I'm still alive again. I'm, again, I'm still alive for a reason. I have to pass on. Everything that I went through, maybe somebody can learn off of it. Again, you know, out of 33 people that I picked up off the street, I didn't know them from a can of paint. Two people are still clean today, have six years clean. Two people out of 33, I, I think, I, you know, compared to the statistics today, I think that's pretty good. I mean, I mean just if, saving one person. There. If I could save one person, dude, you know, this is just what I want to, this is what makes me happy. And man. think about how many people are going to listen to your story through this podcast. I, I, you know? I just, I, listen, I just want to, I just want to help, man. I, listen, nobody's going to be a pain in the ass. Email me, text me, call me, smoke signal me. I don't <laughs> give a shit, man. We'll have your information at the bio. I, I'm, I'm just yeah. saying, you know, just, 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 I just want to help people, man. Help me, help myself and just help me do what I love to do, man. Give, give you know. Absolutely. Give me the reason. You know, uh, 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 what's, what's that called? Uh, <laughs> just just let me know I'm doing the right thing. You are. You know, let me know I'm doing the right thing, man. Call me. Uh, if somebody needs help, don't be embarrassed, man. Don't be embarrassed. Been there, done that. Somebody's always, always lived your story. Absolutely. You know, you're, 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 not, you're, you're not, you know, nobody's ever the worst person in the room. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Dude. It's been an absolute pleasure. You have a crazy, crazy story. Dude, that, uh, thank very you. entertaining, very emotional, and um, you know, I'm I'm sure the audience is really going to appreciate you sharing uh, even the hard parts because that's what makes us human. I I, um, I, I wish I, I wish I had hours to talk. Like, there's a lot of things that I talk. Just yeah, but that's yeah. why you're going to start the YouTube channel. I'm man. trying. I'm <laughs> going to try, man. I'm going to try. There's a lot. Of, you know, bear with me, guys. Uh, you Absolutely, know, bear Eric. With me, man. Thank you again, man. Have a safe trip back. And thank you so much, man.